Welcome to the Send Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss horse health, nutrition, training and performance. Welcome everyone to episode 44 of the Send Nutrition Podcast. This is your host Brian today and I'll be handing over to Peter in a second to discuss with Dr. Lena one of her articles in the Horse and People magazine that was titled Learn to Recognize the Subtle Signs of Pain in Horses. And Peter and Dr. Lena are going to deep dive into this and explain in more detail, but also try and explain clearly what the article is about and how the flow and effect of pain and the compensation that the horse does with it has an effect on digestion, nutrition, but also overall health. And now I'll hand over to Peter and Dr. Lena. G'day everyone, it's great to be back. Um, We've got a special guest today, Dr. Lena Clifford, and we will go over an article that I personally read a couple of times so I could try to understand it correctly. And it was in a Horse and People magazine and it was called Learn to Recognize the Supple Signs of Pain in Horses. So this is a very, it's, it's, it's a very good topic, but it's a very in-depth topic. So if I struggle with the article, we thought we'd get the author to come and help us go through it. And, and, and so all our listeners can benefit out of, out of the, the wealth of information that, that Dr. Lena has. How are you, Lena? Good, thank you, Peter. Thank you for, for coming in. Where should we start with this? It's a, it's a very complex and very in-depth article that, that you wrote not so long ago. Um, where would you like to start with? The place to start is to understand where that horses are a bit different to people. So um, horses are a flight animal, and it's really important to understand that a horse will try everything, first of all, to keep mobile because they're flight animals, they have to move. If they don't move, they die or they get eaten. But also that if they show pain, they are the weakest link in the herd and they are most likely to be attacked by a predator. So they will compensate in ways that we can recognize, but it won't be obvious as a lameness for some pain before they actually, in the end, can't compensate anymore and then they'll go lame. So if we can recognize the signs of pain before the horse goes lame, then we can address a lot of these issues before we do physical damage for the horses and before we end up maybe having to retire a horse or we have extensive rehab and huge amount of vet bills and lameness works up and stuff. And if we can recognize these signs before the horses do the damage, then we are um, probably we have less cost. We have um, less downtime for the horses. We have better quality of life. We can train them better because they can move better. Um, they can use, utilize their food better. They, um, they're happier to be around. There's all these sort of things that play a big role in their everyday life. And for me, one of the big motivators is quality of life for the horses. So they can do what we ask them to do in a good way without you know, struggling to try and perform. And that's saying obviously we want the same thing through through nutrition. So this is obviously just another sort of cog to the wheel in terms of keeping them pain free, as well as keeping their, their nutrition at the at the tip top sort of um, you know level as they need to be being being performance athletes in in, in that example, obviously. Well, and when you look at it, um, Peter, when you look at nu- the nutrition side of things, we can dive straight into some of the signs of pain. One of the things is that if horses carry their heads very high because they're trying to get off their feet, it affects their jaw, and their, um, t- so their TMJ, and it affects the way they can grind their food and also the amount of saliva they produce because they will, when they are sore, they are in the sympathetic nervous system, which means they're always in the fight and flight response. 
which means they produce less saliva and they won't buffer the um, acid in the stomach as well. So we're more likely to have stomach ulcers, but also because the food can't get ground up as well, then they can't utilize the food as well as they should. And um, that then makes it harder to feed them properly. They need more food because they can't use it as well. The system is stressed. So again, they can't um, break the food down as much. We are more likely to have ulcers, which then cause all sorts of other dramas. So there's all these little dramas stressed by a high head carriage. So if you go out in the paddock and you see your horse sort of always having the head a bit high, um, that's one of the signs that it might be having some issues. And um, the other thing is too with a high head carriage, these horses are usually a bit flighty. Um, they might be spooky or they might be, you know, on their toes. People say they might be cold back, which I don't believe in the term cold back. It's just the horse is bloody sore and it warms up into it. I agree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just all these little pointers. And um, just trying to give you an idea, if you walk out to your horse and see what's actually going on, do I have some pain issues or can I be relaxed and go, my horse is probably pretty happy. And I think what normally happens is as soon as there's any sort of irrational behavior, the first thing that most horse owners look for is, oh, well, I need a calming supplement or, yeah. or I need this or, you know, if, if it's a little bit lame, which is I need butte. So what we're trying to outline here is that those anti-inflammatories or, you know, whether they're pharmaceutical or, or natural or those calming supplements, it's not necessarily the silver bullet. You got to look at the horse and ask yourself the question, why has their behavior changed? Um, don't go for the quick fix, which is not a long-term fix, and actually try to get to the root cause of the problem rather than just treating the symptom. W would you agree? A hundred percent. And a lot of um, these behavior issues I see, um, so whether it's spookiness, um, biting, kicking, rearing, bolting, bucking, all this sort of stuff, in the last 10 years, I've seen two horses that I would say actually had a behavior problem, the rest was in pain. That's, that's unbelievable in my opinion. So for our listeners out there, if you've obviously, you know, you've suspected it might be, you know, bad gut bacteria, it might be ulcers or what so forth. And let's just say you're a client of Sen, you've used our products, you've done everything that you can nutritionally wise, but the horse is still not where it needs to be. This is where we've got Dr. Lena here to try to address that second side of the horse, which is as important as what nutrition is, but just throwing, you know, pharmaceuticals, anti-inflammatories at that particular horse you're only making it worse because the horse, if it doesn't feel the pain, is just going to keep keep working as hard as, as, what, it's, as what it's not designed to work because it is in pain. And you've got the chance of that horse breaking down because mm -hmm. it's going through that threshold that it's not designed to go through when it is in pain. Yeah, and, it, uh, and once you do the damage, so um, a lot of the time, if we get them out of pain with some pharmaceuticals or some supplements and um, help them with that for the short-term gain, we might end up with suspensory um, ligament injuries, we might end up with tendon problems, we might end up with kissing spines from the wrong um, carriage and all this sort of stuff. And that really causes us long-term problems because that might actually either reduce um, the usability of the horse or we might have to retire it completely. It might be ending up as a paddock ornament and these things are pretty expensive paddock ornaments. And um, then also we need to have a look at the ethical side of things because we're riding around on a mammal. Um, we basically sit on the spine that's there to protect its nervous system. We need to make sure to do it as good as we can and try not to cause discomfort while we're doing it. 
So I'll give you one example. It might be, this is a really basic compensation pattern in the horses and it covers most of the signs that you can see from the outside. So when you look at your horse, say the horse is sore in the right shoulder or in the right foot, doesn't matter for our argument, but it's the right leg is sore and doesn't want to put as much weight on it. The first thing that you'll see is that the feet are starting to grow unevenly. So the leg that it's got less pressure will start to grow higher and smaller. And the leg that's got more weight, which is the other leg um, in our example, so the left front leg, will have a bigger, flatter foot because it carries more weight. Even if you can't see it with your with your eye, um, when you you know you go, oh, the horse is not lame, but it's just offloading that right leg a little bit, and that's what you can see through the feet. So this is your first pointer. The other thing that you can um, see is when you ride your horse, because the shoulders will be uneven in this scenario, because the horse is not loading its front legs evenly, and your front legs in a horse are only held on by muscle. There's no bony connection to the rest of the body, which means that the shoulders can move quite a bit around your rib cage. So the shoulders will be uneven, and when you what that affects is when you ride your horse, you put the saddle on, the saddle will start to slip to one side and you feel like you always want to correct the saddle and you also feel like one stirrup is always longer than the other one. So that's a really easy th um, thing for you. You know, the horse is not quite even and it's harder to fit a saddle properly because the shoulders are so uneven. So then the horse is offloaded from one leg to the other leg. We've got uneven shoulders then the horse goes well now the other leg the left leg that's getting more weight gets a little bit sore so i start to pick my head up a bit to get the weight off the front feet so then you end up with a really obvious u-neck so the neck gets tight um, on the lower part and it usually hollows out in the middle and then you get a tight band on top and this is not because you're riding your horse incorrectly because i always say to people if you my horse is compensating, you ride it in perfect form for one hour a day, the horse will still compensate for 23 hours a day. You won't ride against that. It might look a little bit better because it uses the other muscles, but you still won't ride against that. So then you've got your little U-neck or you know you change your neck shape. The head's always carried a little bit too high. It might even when you ride it start to head tilt a bit, so it's hard to get it to travel um, straight. The head is always a little bit tilted. Then, because the head goes up, biomechanically the back gets pushed down, so you get a big wither pocket. So people say, oh, I have to work my horse because it's got bad top line. It's, you again, you won't work against this. You need to fix the underlying cause of this to help the horse to hold itself better, and then it'll develop a top line without you even doing the work. So um, that's another sign. So if you have a big wither pocket, um, behind the wither, that's one of the things that's quite obvious. The sternum, when you look at the horse's sternum, it can be like pushed out like a chicken breast or really deep, depending on how the horse compensates. And then because biomechanically the rib cage and the front of the back drops down and forward, the lumbar area gets really tight. So if you have any roaching through the lumbar area, you need to find somebody um, to have a look at the horse because that's um, a really obvious sign of compensation. And then um, they tighten up through the lumbar area and the horse offloads the front end onto the hind because the front's gone too sore. And the hind um, gets overloaded, so your chiropractor comes out and says, oh, your horse always got SI joint problems. 
Um, it's got underrun heels in the back, it's always got long toes, or if it gets really bad, it starts dragging its toes at the back because the muscles are so sore that the horse can't pick its hind legs up anymore. So then it squares up the toes at the back. And the other problem that you might have is that your farrier complains your horse doesn't pick up the back feet anymore because it's just sore. It can't, it's not that it's a naughty horse, which comes to the behavior issues. It's actually sore and it can't do as you ask. So you might have to get it trimmed really low or you might, some horses are so bad, you have to put the foot on the stand in front to be able to trim underneath, which is really awkward for the farrier, but that's the only thing the horse can do. Um, and then behavior issues. So when you see a horse, all of a sudden it starts to bolt, um, buck, rear, bite, whatever. If there's a change in behavior that comes out of nowhere or sort of slowly creeps in, get it investigated because horses are not assholes. They don't stand up uh, in the morning and go, now today I'm going to be a pain in the ass for my owner. They just don't do that. Horses are lazy by nature. Yeah. They try not to spend too much energy because they are flight animals and they might need the energy in the next two minutes to run away from a predator. So they won't try and be bad. They will do that if they're sore. So, you know, to try and get away from some pain. And the less we listen, the louder their answer will get. So the worse it gets, we've obviously overlooked, missed something. So, and it's also, you know, some horses are a bit more vocal than others. Some are very stoic. So that's, yeah, pretty obvious signs. Look, I've got a question and I'm sure the, <laughs> the hundreds of thousands of our listeners have got like their guts churning. They're, they're about to reach out for a stiff gin and tonic because they're going, I've got a horse that sounds like this. And they're like panicking, like my guts churning. So what can the everyday horse owner that's just listen to that, to that analysis, which even for us that are, that are in the industry for a long time, it's scary. And I'm sure there's a hundreds of horses out there, if not thousands. What advice can you give to that horse owner that has those points that you made has actually gone, take yes, that's my horse, that's my horse, that's my horse. What can you, advice can you give them? So the first thing, so just remember, yes, we're looking at signs of pain in the horses here, but we're looking at signs that are um, the horse is sore, but it hasn't broken down yet. So there's still hope in um, most cases. So um, yes, if you have a really roached lumbar area and with treatment, it doesn't go down, we might be looking at kissing spines. But I would say eight out, out of 10 horses that have a roached lumbar spine, it's muscle tension. So if we can release it and help it, then we can um, help make the horse more comfortable. So one of the things is get your body work out who um, you trust and you know and who's actually got um, the understanding of the biomechanics of the horse and try and work out where is the problem coming from because uh, what i'm just telling you here are symptoms yep. these are symptoms for something going wrong in the horse in this instance in the right front leg and then we have to investigate what is actually going on why is the horse sore here has it you know, got soreness in the foot, has it got soreness in the shoulder, is this um, problem actually coming from the neck, and then go from there and get it treated because a lot of these things are very treatable. You just have to um, address them before they become a real problem, a physical um, breakdown issue where, as I said before, you become, you know, um, you have navicular disease, you have suspensory damage, you have tendon injuries, you've got kissing spines, you want to try and avoid that and pick it up before it becomes that problem. What I find really fascinating and interesting sort of from my end is that you said the problem initially starts with one part of the horse, but then it, it's sort of like a, like a snake, it just keeps 
going from one part to the next part to the next part. And I might be wrong in, in, in my analysis, but then let's just say the very end problem after this whole sort of you know biomechanics that it's gone through different areas, that's what the vet or that's what maybe the, the you know the practitioner doesn't maybe know how to find out what, what exactly is wrong with the horse. That's what gets treated at like the very end result. Is that is that correct? Yeah, so in this scenario that we were just talking about where the horse is getting off the right front leg overloading the left, the left is what's called our compensating limb and that's usually the um, leg the horse goes sore in and that's a leg and that gets investigated. But the problem is it's just so sore now because it's been overloaded for such a long time. The actual problem is coming from the right but so if I don't fix the right leg then it will keep putting too much weight on the left and it'll keep breaking down that left leg so I have to address the right one and that's one of the problems I do see in in the industry is that we try and treat symptoms all the time and try, instead of trying to find the underlying cause and where things are coming from. You did tell us a very fascinating slash controversial, I wouldn't say it's a controversial story to, to myself and Brian but, but before we went on air um, in regards to the, the broodmares and foals, and, and an example you gave, obviously, when the foal was born and it, and it was it was offset, whether it's in or, or, or out. Do you, legs, want, yes. do you want to just summarise briefly your, your theory on, on that? So you can, there's a lot of research done on birth trauma and foals, and I think the numbers are as high as 85%. Um, Ian Bistrup has done a lot of research on that. Um, birth trauma and falls and there is actually a four article series at the horses and people magazine at the moment about exactly that birth trauma and horses um, from Ian Bistrup and what happens is when the foal gets pushed through the birth canal it can when the mare has a contraction where the foal is in either with the shoulders or with the pelvis it can put pressure on it in such a way that it either fractures ribs or it puts pressure on the nervous system in around the lower neck shoulder area or the pelvis and then when the foal stands up it might stand either knock kneed or it might be um, bow-legged or it might be um, windswept or all the terms that come to mind there and it's really interesting that conventionally we get taught at vet school that you need surgery for this to correct the conformation but it's actually a compensation pattern for what's going on up top and the foal can't feel um, or use the nervous system in a way to get the muscular skeletal tension right and then yes if you'd leave it like that it'll become a conf conformation problem but with treatment these things are rectified usually really quickly within from experience, one to three treatments max. That's Even nothing. really bad foals where the knees are touching or um, something is really bad, that's all it needs on top usually to correct um, so, the way they stand and they just come straight. So let's just say the, you know, the horse owner goes for the, you know, for the original you know, diagnosis from the vet that look, we need to do the surgery and stuff mm -hmm. like that. You're not actually fixing the the actual root cause of the problem are you by going to surgery no you're not you're fixing the so um you're treating the symptom again and that's a problem because if you don't address the underlying problem um the horse might have pro problems or will have problems down the track with um that's where the handedness is coming in oh my horse is left or right handed um, because the horse has had birth trauma and is so crooked but we just don't pick up on it or then they say oh my horse has always had a club foot or an uneven foot. That, well, that foot is not actually a club foot, it's just because the horse doesn't put weight through it. 
Um, a true club foot is quite rare and um, a lot of the what we get presented as club feet are actually man-made clubs and it's just because the, the people don't realize it's not a club foot and they don't trim it accordingly and then the horse just ends up with this really uneven foot and then um, that leads to uneven shoulders where in a true club foot their shoulders won't be uneven. To me that's fascinating. I think you've probably got our, our listeners on the, on the edge of their seats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got me on the edge of my seat. I just want more. I want more. So I hope everyone is, is enjoying this podcast and obviously um, Dr. Lynn is going to be a regular guest with, with different topics that, that we will cover and as, as everyone can, can sort of can hear, it's, the information is, is fascinating and it goes against not what we've been led to believe but it's just another theory where we're not looking at well this is the symptom let's just treat the symptom we're actually looking at well let's look at the root cause what's what's possibly happening is, is it compensation yes it is compensation let's let's fix the compensation that's n not on the actual foot as as Lena said the right foot it's actually on the left foot or, or vice versa and when we get to the actual root cause then all these symptoms should hopefully disappear well that's the thing and that's one of the things that you can um, basically do your home check if you have these symptoms in your horse and you get your body worker back and they say, oh, I have to come back every two weeks for the rest of the horse's life, then I believe that you probably need to go and find a different body worker because they will be treating the symptom, not the underlying cause. Don't get me wrong, there are problems that you might have to address more frequently, but I don't have any clients in my um, horse world where you have where, that, that need two weekly treatments. It just the horses usually are very good at helping themselves if you give them the opportunity to do so. And I think as humans too, obviously, you know, when we get a cut on our hand, you know, within a couple of days, that, that cut has well, healed. Yeah. So would horses be in, in a very similar sort of instance as Def well? Definitely. So, uh, and I always say to the people, just remember, I don't fix your horse. I just give the system the opportunity to heal itself because I can't make the cells heal itself. Um, I can't repair tendons, I can't ma tell the blood flow where to go, I can't you know, tell the, the nervous system what to do, but I can give it the opportunity to do so itself. So um, half the time it's amazing how little it takes to get the horse back on track, even in really, really bad cases. Because we get horses, they've already got the hole dug, they say, you're the last hope, you say the word, the horse is going to be in the hole. And, um, these got say two pedal bones, you know, both pedal bones hanging through the front feet. Um, and sometimes you can do stuff and sometimes you can't. It really depends on the horse's system, how bad it is and how long it's been compensating for. Personally, I think from what you're trying to sort of outline is that I think horse owners need to be pretty vigilant about any symptoms or, or, or any slight change of behavior that happens instantly. And am I correct in saying the sooner you get it, the more chance you've got of actually getting on top of it? Oh, 100%. The sooner you treat something, so if your horse has a fall in the paddock and you see it, get the, your chiropractor, your acupuncturist, whoever you use, out, because that might not be cause a lameness now, but that might cause you problems in two years' time. And you know the scary thing is, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's not everyone, but it's a lot of clients that we speak to and, and obviously deal with, that horse has an incident in the paddock, the first thing that comes out is the butte, mm. and then it's the, the, the anti-inflammatory, and then it's this and it's that. And possibly you know, a month later or, or six weeks later, when the horses actually can't move, mm. that's when the body worker comes out, that's when the acupuncturist comes out. I know personally I, I get acupuncture myself on, on a maintenance level just as a, you know, because I enjoy it, because I feel yeah. good. And I know when I sprained my ankle, I would go the next day. 
and, and I know when I go the next day, like the swelling literally comes down in half exactly. and then, then I might go again. Is, is that what you recommend as well? Exactly, 100%. And trying to, one of the things that I really want to put out there for horse owners is you are the one that looks at your horse every day. You are the one who is, a t is the one that knows the horse the best. If you feel some, something is off, something is just not quite right, I can't stress this enough. Even if professionals tell you there's nothing wrong, keep looking because mostly you're right. I think with, with Dr. Leonard, we've got the best of both. Obviously, you know, you've been trained in Germany as a veterinarian, but you're also you know, a natural practitioner as well with, with Chinese herbal medicine, acupuncture and, and, and everything else that you do. So you're probably very unique where you've got four eyes instead of two <laughs> eyes, <laughs> if I can say that. Um, so are these practitioners, obviously, like you're in Queensland and, and, and well, you know, more so Southeast Queensland and, and, and service your clientele here. Not everyone's going to be as as gifted as what as what you are. So, if our listeners out there, Australia wide, is there any particular practitioner that they need to look for to to try to treat these symptoms if their horse does have an issue? Look, what I always say is um, just be aware the industry of the holistic medicine is not regulated. So, um, I prefer people who have some kind of background. There is the um, ABP. ABPA, I think they call, call themselves, Animal Biomechanical Practitioners Australia or something like that. These guys are vets and DCs, so doctors of chiropractics, that will um, have taken a two-year course on top of their normal training and that are trained in the manual therapies and that know this sort of stuff. They don't necessarily do the acupuncture. Um, a lot of them will um, do that as well though, but make sure they've got some kind of, um, some certification and haven't only done a two day course. And when you get them out and um, yes, even in my practice, I, common things are common, but if you keep having them out for your horse and they do the same points all the time, they do the same adjustments all the time, mm -hmm then the knowledge is probably limited and you should try and find somebody who knows a bit more. That's very well summarized. From a personal experience, I, I've been to a lot of um, acupuncturists that, that obviously, you know, like the normal process would be with, oh, well, you know, what's wrong? Like, like, you know, what's sore? Like, you know, how do you feel? And then I'll do the actual needles. But I've, I've worked out probably the last couple of years that there's very few out there that actually take your pulse. And I found one now that actually does the pulse and I don't need to tell him what's wrong. I give him my, my wrist and he'll put his fingers on my pulse. And Peter, he says, this, he said, are you experiencing this, 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 this? And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, all right, well, I'll do that treatment. So, and that's something that is, a, I think it's a dying art. It's very hard to find someone that, that can actually know what's out by, by doing your pulse. But that's what Dr. Lynn is saying is that, you know, you want to get someone that actually is very well credentialed that, doesn't need 40 different treatments where it should be covered in, in, in two or three. Um, whether that's word of mouth, whether that's going to that ABPA sort of website and, and, and you know maybe doing your own research on Google, friends that have used a practitioner that they've had really good results with. Um, but yeah, I could, I could vouch from a, from a personal side of view that it took me years and years to find a really good acupuncturist. And, and I mean, I don't have to say anything, basically he knows what he needs to treat. Yeah. And this is something, um, so post diagnostic is obviously a big part of the Chinese medicine, um, which I use as well. And um, there is, yeah, it's just because the worst example I probably had, and this is why I'm a bit um, wary of um, people that haven't got a lot of sort of qualifications. Um, I saw a horse that had an um, accident with a fence 
and um, they got me three weeks after the, in, uh, after the incident. And in these three weeks, that horse has been treated almost every day by um, a practitioner. And they missed that the horse had fractured its shoulder. So by the time I got to that horse, she was so sore that she tried to put weight on the broken leg. And the annoying thing that for me is really annoying, makes me really cranky, is that horse should have been euthanized the day it happened. But because she was out of her depth and she didn't realize um, that horse was put through pain for three weeks, which was useless because there was nothing anybody could do. And um, even with instant medical care, that horse would have been euthanized. And that was one of the things, I see that a bit, and it's, yes, everybody can make mistakes, but that's something that shouldn't happen. So um, I just find, you know, if you have a bit of medical background as well, you have that knowledge to say, I need x-rays now, I need bloods, you know, I need something, this, we're not getting anywhere, this is too severe, we need some other modality, um, let's try the conventional medicine in this instance. Well, I think, you know, from my end, and probably more human health is pain's there for a reason. Mm. Like if we're, if we're experiencing pain and we're thinking, well, I've got to suppress this pain, that's not very smart. Well, pain is there to prevent physical damage. That's mm. the definition of pain. That's your body's way of trying to avoid that it breaks even more. So um, if we try and, you know, ride them through it or do this or do that, um, we're actually doing damage to the horses. And this is one of the things that um, I think people don't, pay enough attention to yet because it's just the way we're taught. So when I was riding, when I grew up riding, yeah, you know, yeah, we had the ponies bucking and running around and bolting on us and they just go, oh, just make him do it, you know? Where now I look back and look at the photos of the horses and go, yeah, that horse probably was pretty sore the way it's holding itself. <laughs> at least you're honest. <laughs> it'll, it'll be fine. Just give it a really long warm up until it stops limping. Yeah, it's hey. exactly. Or, you know, cold back, just lunge it until it stops bucking. And you go, well, yeah. yeah, it's trying to tell you that it's actually not really comfortable. The, look, this is fascinating. And look, Dr. Lena is going to be a, a regular guest, obviously. And, and look, she has joined us and team. Um, as a consultant for us at, at Sen, because look, we're very passionate about nutrition. And as I said previously, nutrition is only a part of the puzzle. And you've got to look at the, the individual horse. You've got to look at what else is going on. And I think it's more so with your wealth of knowledge as well, because you're so experienced. And I think a lot of our listeners are going to be sort of, you know, smashing down the phone lines going, look, I've got these questions. Can you get Dr. Lena to address? And it is something that, that we will do. Um, and we will cover numerous topics. But I have got one question that Personally, me, I've always wanted answered, and I want to get your, your, your feedback on kissing spine. What is it? What causes it? And is it able to be treated and cured? So kissing spines are a symptom of incorrect posture. Okay. And because what happens is, so, you know, when you have what's called the body of the vertebrae, you, um, I think you all can, can sort of picture a vertebra where you've got the body, the thick part where the um, spinal cord runs through, and then you've got the spines processor, which is a spiky bit on top. And the kissing spines is when the spines processes start to touch. So when you have the, what we were talking about before, the horse picks its head up and mechanically the back drops, the spines processes start to touch and rub. And that's what's called the kissing spine. So they're kissing, they're touching, and that causes pain because bone on bone is pretty painful. And there's also a lot of soft tissue in that area that um, is quite important for spine health. And um, yes, it can be treated, 
It takes a long time though, and it takes a lot of commitment because by the time we have the spinous processes touching and if they've been touching for a while, some of them will fuse as well. So once they're fused, you, you can't change that, but if they're only rubbing, then you can help it. And um, they talk about surgeries and stuff now, but again, because it's a symptom of incorrect posture and some other things going wrong in the body, I don't think that the surgery alone is going to fix the problem because that's just addressing a symptom again. How do we change then the posture? Is it something that the horse has been compensating for most of its, its life? Well, it depends on what the underlying cause is. It could be caused by birth trauma that's been overlooked. So it could have been started really early in life or it could be incorrect um, training. Um, if we don't ride them correctly, we can cause problems there. It could be um, incorrect husbandry. So anything, so um, one of the fads that's around at the moment to change the foot shape and make them more even is to feed the horses high. And yes, horses will occasionally eat something in the trees, but if you feed them constantly high, you put a lot of pressure on their backs and that's not gonna help because that'll actually make the, sp um, the spinal processes touch. And um, it's, there's a lot of different, it's like a really multi, it's a puzzle multi that problem yeah multifaceted problem so you, it's not there's not a one one answer to it but you have yeah. to work out why is the horse holding itself badly yeah. what is causing it is the saddle not fitting is the rider not riding it properly is there pain somewhere that's causing it is there um, even nutrition can change the way the horse holds itself because um, if it doesn't have the right nutrition it can get sore because of it it can be, um, you get, can get, say, brittle bones, changing um, the skeletal structure. You can have changes in tissue, in fascia and things. And then um, that'll cause the horse to hold itself differently. So there's a lot of problems that you need to address and you really need to have a good look at where is the problem. And be honest with yourself as well, because it's not always easy to hear that you might be causing your horse's dramas yeah. when you ride them not correctly. But the only way to fix it then is to address it instead of trying to hide from it. Because if you hide from it, you'll be buying horses and they'll have be keep having the same issues. But if you address it, you might have that horse for a long time and be really sound and you know no vet bills. And well, this is why we're very adamant about a, a diet that's that's natural and and you know pretty much anti-inflammatory. So a lot of the products that, that we have, um, we we strive for them to be as as you know as low in sugar and starch as possible. Obviously, having high omega three oil, we want to keep that inflammation at bay. And I'm sure you'd agree that with kissing spinal or whether it's any other sort of soreness and pain, there's inflammation in that horse oh, already. 100%, yeah, yeah, and addressing that, and then it comes down to gut health because if you have ulcers, whether they're stomach ulcers or hindgut ulcers, um, then obviously something is not working in the digestive system, which will add to the inflammation in the body it can't utilize its food properly so there's all these little bits and pieces that really cause you um, all sorts of dramas and the horse's health is not optimal so even if it has an injury it can't heal really well because it, the inflammation is already there the body is not working so um, even tendon injuries can be rehabbed a lot of faster a lot of the time if you can have um, the right nutrition the right exercise um, the right way it's holding itself because again tendon problems are a lot of the time compensation problems and um, if they're not traumatic and yes the horse has been compensating over such a long time that eventually the tendon gave way and then how can we address that tendon if we don't address the rest of the body which probably caused that problem again we're treating symptoms not the underlying cause well I think 
if there's in, you know if there's inflammation in the horse and you've got a diet which is high in inflammation pro inflammatory you just you know you're just throwing you know petrol on the fire basically oh, 100% yeah and and that, you know now that horse will take possibly twice as long to heal we don't know whether it's actually going to heal the right you know the right way it's supposed to heal as well well that's a problem and that's one of the things that you address here that i see a lot especially with soft tissue injuries if they don't heal in the correct way they re-injure that site over and over again and eventually the horse becomes un unrideable mm. whereas if you address this correctly and get the horse to stand correctly and address where it's actually coming from and why has this happened in the first place that you can help the horse really well fascinating i'm um i'm lost for words finally <laughs> so normally I'm not. Um, on a, on a take-home note, like we've covered a lot today and I think our listeners will be probably having 50, 50 times replay this, this <laughs> podcast to actually take it all in because, I mean, I'm speaking genuinely that it's... It, what, the knowledge that you know is, is so intense that it's very hard to implement it unless you actually have a horse that's gone through this. So you might, like you might have a horse that's absolutely fine, but then suddenly it might just start you know having these symptoms and i know a lot of people just don't do anything about it it's just you know having pain is not normal so yeah. if if people do think that it's normal to have pain and to mask it with butyl or, 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 or what so forth you know perish the thought it's it's not normal for humans and for horses to have pain yeah so what we try to do is we try to get the information out there to go well look if your horse is experiencing pain you got to knock it on the head straight away because that small thing it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the longer you leave it the worse it going to get and there's going to come a point where it's just too late like it's something that nutrition can't fix it's something that 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 Lena can't Trim fix can't fix yeah so and and all we can do then in the end is just do um, pain management which is again pharmaceuticals most of the time and that is frustrating it's frustrating for the horse owner it's frustrating fr frustrating for the horses it's frustrating for the therapist. So there's just no happy outcome. So the earlier you can address that, the better it is. And if you have chronic ongoing problems, don't expect people to fix it in one go though. If the horse has been sore for three or four years, I'm not gonna fix it in one treatment, but I'm also not gonna come back every two weeks and try and treat it. Um, it's something that needs to have constant improvement and you can see there's something going on because if it doesn't get better, then something's not working. In front of our listeners in, in Southeast Queensland, um, if you if you are interested in, in, in the services of, of, of Dr. Lena, look, she, she's very busy. You've got to wait in about six to eight weeks to, to, to get her to look at your horse. And I'm not sure whether she's looking for any more work because we'd like her to stick with Sen. <laughs> so I'm going to be biased here. Um, but if anyone is out there, um, just Google Dr. Lena Clifford and maybe your website too, Lena, if you let our listeners know. It's um, biomechanicalsolutions.com.au. Fantastic. So if, if Lena doesn't get back to you, in 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 a couple of weeks just you know it's probably saying that that we've you know we you know we're keeping her too busy here at hq um but you do offer your services around southeast queensland yeah yeah so if anybody wants to book an appointment um it's easiest usually just to send an email or contact me on facebook um because a lot of the areas i work in have no reception um otherwise if you want to send me a text on the phone that works as well but um i Actually, yeah, it, it can sometimes take a couple of days for me to get back to you because there's a lot of stuff going on. Lena, when you're good at, you know, there's always a demand for a, for a good product, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> any take-home messages? So, we, we, you know, we've covered a lot here. Is, is there any one take-home message or, or, or messages you'd like to just leave the podcast on for our listeners? I think if you feel it's not right, trust your gut. 
and if it's if the horse changes in some way that you're not quite sure what's happening, get it investigated before it becomes a real problem. Um, I'd like to thank Dr. Lena Clifford for, for being our special guest. Is as, as we said, is this is just the first the first podcast and. Look, if our listeners are, are impressed, you're going to be even more impressed in the next sort of couple of weeks and in a, a couple of months once we get pretty specific with 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 some of these topics. So, um, a big thank you to to yourself, Lena, and and yeah, welcome to the Sen family. Thank you, Peter. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Thanks, guys.